Warning: The following episode contains many spoilers for both film adaptations of Firestarter. Doctor, come on, what, what? Always do the right thing. Get away from her, you bitch! Shit just got real. Set her alive. You are coming with me. Samsonite. I was way off. Welcome to the second episode of Very Famous Movie Podcast. I'm Sean Robb. I'm John Valley. I am Robert Jordan Hunt. And today we're talking about Firestarter. Jordan, uh, you want to give us a quick synopsis here? Yes, I do. Um, but before we start, I do want to give you guys kind of a notice. We have not read the book. We will not read the book. Mm-mm. It will not happen. I never learned how to read. I never wanted to learn None how to read. None of us know how to read. That's we, don't read. we don't read. Moving on. Very Famous Movie Podcast. Um, and none of us are quote unquote Stephen King aficionados. We know a little bit. We don't know a lot. So we're really coming at these movies today as movies and nothing else. Um, Bingo. <laughs> no. It's in the podcast name. <laughs> so I'm going to give a very quick synopsis of both movies so that we can kind of get into the differences between the two. Um, but generally speaking, they're both about a young girl who has the power to start fires with her mind and whose parents, uh, her dad has mind control and her mom has some telekinesis uh they're all on the run from a government that also just happened to create them and they want to catch them again and that's essentially the core of its movie they're trying to get free and live their life while the government wants to take them back and experiment it's a chase government it's a chase movie there you chase wow the way you sum that up could have saved us all 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) no no i I like seeing you flounder yeah totally it's a a sci-fi horror chase movie brought to you by the mind of stephen king Mm -hmm. right so if you know that kind of uh patina of film uh it definitely lives in this film uh at least the 84 version much more Uh, the the 22 version version is uh, an island in and of itself y'all know me i hate to be negative on a movie like that it bums me out like it gives me no pleasure to say this movie is really not good at all uh except like the score by john carpenter is really fucking cool um that's really about the only good thing uh going about it what about zach you know what i will say i like zach efron (laughs) zach efron he's he's turning around i think he likes it zach efron (laughs) no i I think he does the best with what he's got okay like the and there's not much for him to do he's fine but that's it's not his fault that the movie is bad. You know, he did what he could do. Um, it, it's very, it feels very cheap. It feels very, um, it feels like a TV movie almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not, and it's, that is not a compliment. Um, <laughs> like Bl- Blumhouse produced this movie and typically that's a pretty strong brand name for horror. And, and, and this is a movie Firestarter in my opinion. I, I did enjoy the first one. It's not, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination. It, I more liked it just because it was like an 80s uh, whole in my uh, movie knowledge, you know what I mean? Like, I hadn't seen it before, so it was just mm-hmm. fun to, to, to fill that hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go on. But, uh, no, I just enjoyed it um, enough, at least. And it's, it's a great concept that is ripe to be remade. It's, it, it could totally be done better with today's technology, and they just completely whiffed it. You didn't, you didn't like it. I didn't like it. How so many stars? Yeah, on, on a scale of five match heads, five being the highest, how many match heads do you give this? You sound like a two out of five. One out of five. I was gonna say like one and a half. One and a half. Wow. It's it's okay. a bummer. Like it's not it's not that it's like fucking crazy shitty. That's not the way. It's just it's a bummer. Okay, Sean. Okay, uh, you know I'm inclined to agree with Jordan here. Uh, I don't like I don't know if I would say I hated it because uh, I don't really remember it. It was like a, it was Fair. so forgettable. 
It just moves super slow. I, I do think the score was cool. Obviously, Carpenter, that's always fun. Very cool score, which I think the score to the original is very cool as well. Right. Uh-huh. But I think we both agree that had John Carpenter directed the original, he probably would have done the score. But their replacement for him was Tangerine Dream. Yeah, the 84 version works so much better. And it, let me also say, like, it's really not a great film. But I, the cast of this movie, of the 84 version, is in same yeah it is very because good. totally we we got let's just go down the roster here because this is this just this is crazy drew barrymore of course very famously i mean i feel like that's pretty pretty well known like the poster is her you know with her hair going crazy yes david keith um who not keith david but david keith he's you know what he's been in a lot more but the only thing i can think of is he's the dad in daredevil with ben affleck <laughs> he is yes, he's he been is. in so not much a bad b- reference not a bad reference <laughs> at all that movie deserves a lot more love and i'm here to go to the bring him the back mats, get against the ropes for it he, but he's been in so much and like he's he's a that guy actor look look up his name david keith you'll recognize him immediately david keth um, Heather Locklear, which is just kind of funny. But then we get into some like really kind of heavy hitter territory. Legacy Martin actors. Sheen, yeah. yeah, legacy actors. Martin Sheen, who was he had already been in Apocalypse Now. I mean, he was he was already Martin Sheen, right? Yeah. Um, George C. Scott playing a Native American guy, playing a Native American, which I. I had no, I really had no idea. Now <laughs> it makes so much sense, and that mm-hmm. there's a lot going through yeah. my head about that right now. You also got Art Carney, a very famous comedian from the 50s and 60s. I mean, Oscar winner himself, Louise Fletcher, who is Nurse Ratchet in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, is like his wife. But I mean, these are small parts, except for George C. Scott's. Like, this movie was supposed to be a big deal, and yeah. it was not. Right. And, and I think there's something about that, everything you just described there about 84, that uh, I was lacking with the... 2022 version where the 84 version feels so inspired like they were really trying to do something big with it and so they they swung for the fences with the casting uh the cinematography was insane with these really cool anamorphic lenses yes Mm -hmm. uh well the practical effects were fucking awesome like that was so fun and i think that's why i didn't really hate the 22 version even though i think it is like not uh it it kind of missed the mark i don't hate it just because the concept alone is so cool it's like x-men level cool as far as the the kind of reality of the world this like sci-fi horror conspiracy theory kind of vibe to the whole movie was was super fun to kind of uh, escape to like where 1984's versions maybe a little long in the tooth the 22 version's shorter but doesn't do nearly as interesting character things as the 84 one and I wish I knew how to read because <laughs> the thing that I'm so curious about with the mo- with both of them writ large is like all of these characters want to possess Drew Barrymore right. because they keep talking about how like young and beautiful she is yeah. and how gifted she is and she has the power of the gods inside of her. <clears throat> there was this really weird like sexuality play happening underneath it that was uncomfortable but yes. also made the conclusion of... Uh, the 84 version, very, very satisfying. Yes. I mean, yeah. she, she, she tortures her, those motherfuckers. Yeah. She gets her druthers. You know, it's like, yeah. it's a, it's very similar to the ending of Carrie. Yes. And it has that really right. satisfying kind of catharsis. Yes. In it. Absolutely. I mean, it is a, it is a very weird movie. I mean, I, I felt that the whole way, just the, the father daughter dynamic is way too touchy feely. I can't tell if that's intentional or not. I It was clear to me that I think that's the intention of the movie and there must yes. be something buried within the uh uh, the book that suggests that. I'm sure. We'll never know because <laughs> we'll never we know. don't know how to read. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's this doctor character 
that Freddie Jones plays in the original and then fucking Kurtwood Smith shows up in the oh, new right. one. It's yeah. so cool. He only gets one scene, which sucks. But uh, That's the best casting of the new one, though. In yeah, terms I love Because the, the original has such a, a huge cast and then Kurtwood is like on that level for me, but yeah. then no one else. Yes. Kurtwood Smith of uh, that 70s show fame and Robocop. Robocop. Can you fly, Bobby? The original one ends... <laughs> Uh, with Charlie getting to go to the New York Times and she's going to tell her story and blow the lid off this whole thing. Yeah. Whereas the new one ends with Charlie destroying the, the compound because it all sort of is this chase movie that ends up with them getting caught and they're in the the belly of this uh, compound where this uh, the shop, the DSI, this government agency is sequestering them and going to try to like study them. Charlie ends up going ballistic and blows up both places in a yeah. really glorious fashion. So the new one ends with that, but then she goes to the beach and collapses. And this master assassin Rainbird character that George C. Scott played in the original is there and picks her up and walks her off the beach. And they presumably are uh, partners in crime going forward. They're, they're both like these outsiders that have found a common ground. Yeah, which I, I felt like just totally discounted the terror of his of that character completely like it, it just it did the momentum i was very confused there was also some really weird shit in there that, like an unnecessary cat death i you know what there's also with with the new one there's a lot of just like really weird cha- at least changes from the original that like didn't make sense like there's there's the point when he does meet the farmer in the original in 84 mm-hmm. they're hitchhiking and it's just they just tell a little white lie and and you know uh the character just accepts them because it's a father daughter he trusts them and mm-hmm. whatever but in the new one they call it pushing zach Efron's power um, yeah. When he, when he uh, can manipulate the mind. He cracks um, his neck. He, yeah, he cracks his, He does a little thing. Um, but like he pushes the old man to let him in. But they still go to his house in the end. It's almost just like, what was the point of pushing? You know, like, there's just a lot of odd cho- like odd changes that really make no sense. That's kind of where I give the movie a little bit of leeway is that it felt like a really messy production. Like the yes. first half of the movie was super tight and kind of inspired and it was moving. But as the back half of the new one sort of uh, presents itself, it kind of frays out and there's no consistent character motiv- motivations. All the lines are really universal and simplistic I, and feel I, like... I just wrote declarative statements. Yes. Yeah. And I and it's like, it feels like multiple rough drafts yes. being smashed together at the last second and they just had to start shooting. And then it also seems like, I don't know if this is conspiratorial of me or not, but it seems like the lines were written knowing that we have to be able to communicate to like foreign markets in the most simplistic way. That's, yes. So the lines are really like, the characters just become these really bland, flat carbon, like like vague carbon copies of what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Which then kind of comes back to my point of why I like 84 better is it, even though it's got warts, it feels so inspired. It feels like people were working their asses off and that like they were truly trying to like surpass or, or, you know, like, like meet some big challenge. And I know it was really hard on the director, uh, Mark L. Lester. Mark L. Lester. And that's, and I want to, I want to jump on that just for a second. Um, just speaking, like it seemed like you know the new one, uh, maybe a rough production. One, there is some super bad ADR in the new one. Yes, right. Like yeah. there, like it was very obvious and not, not well hidden. Jumping back to Mark Lester, who that that's a director. Maybe you don't know his name, but you know his movies: Commando, uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo, Class of 1984, and uh, a few others. But all that to say is like, Class of 1999. That's a sequel. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> 
Truck that, Stop Women. That's a sequel to Roller Boogie. Right. No, um, but it, all that to say is like he's made some seriously entertaining movies, um, regardless of like quote unquote quality. Right. He seems like a director, like almost a good hired gun. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows how to like bring in a production because he was a replacement director for John Carpenter, who was hired to direct the original. Which is probably another reason why the the eighty four one is actually really fun to watch because right. it does feel big like, Carpenter vibe. Yes, like Carpenter would have probably like crushed this right. movie totally. And, and apparently, I I I looked into uh, the, the three minutes of research I did on this. Uh, so Carpenter was supposed to direct it, but because of the, uh, uh, lackluster premiere of the, the thing, thing, yeah, he was pulled off the project and then, uh, fortunately opened him up to do his adaptation of Christine, which I think is like m- maybe one of his best movies. I was say, that's one of your favorites. Like, I love that movie. Yes. The, the 84 version benefited from the fact that John Carpenter obviously had a lot of pre-production done on it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that all that to say, and well, and again, that's why I think Mark Lester is such a good, like, uh, you could almost say a journeyman director, like as somebody like Ron Howard. It's not, a, it's like somebody who can just kind of come in and go with the flow. It doesn't mean they're a bad director because like Ron Howard has made some truly excellent films, but nobody watches a Ron Howard movie and goes, this is a Ron Howard picture. You know Correct. what I mean? Not yeah, like yeah. Steven Spielberg. Again, not a, not a diss by any means. Oh, <laughs> I love Ron Howard. I do too. Yeah, I really do too. Great, and, but that's what I mean. Here. It's like Mark seems like the kind of guy who was like able to come in at the last minute, did the best he could. And like the, the movie's fun enough. Like it, yeah. I think it, it does. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. It's not great, but it's not bad either. For its time specifically, I think pretty entertaining movie. It's fun to be reminded of why Drew Barrymore is a star too. Totally. Like that's pretty special talent. Uh, I did write down. really like, she, compelling. She's true. Especially... Um, as a child actor, I mean, one of the greatest child actors, I think, to ever yes. do it. I, I do, I do think she's pretty bad in that movie, but well, uh, you can constantly see her trying to hide a smile, yeah, like ninety yes. percent of the time. But I there's don't something want to, ab- Daddy. Right? <laughs> yeah, Daddy. but there's something about it. It's just like I don't know. I also just love Drew Barrymore as sure. an actor, as a presence. I just and, and seeing yep. her as a kid is just you're just like ah, she's just she's certainly so more charming in that in that version than the newer one. I. I I don't want to sit and shit on anybody too hard on that movie, but yeah, it just more the new one just doesn't it lacks a sort of like originality or like this extra something that yeah like that just the, feels bland. Agreed, and I don't yeah. think that's necessarily the the t- fire Firestarter twenty two like um, Ryan Kira Armstrong. She's fine. I don't like. I don't think there's anything bad about what she did. Again. I thought she was very unlikable, and that cat thing that you brought up earlier was like. It was brutal. It was weird. She's weird. I did write down, I just wrote down this Cat Killer with three weird. stars. Um, not like, it felt you know, like, not like three stars for you, but just like, this is crazy, kind it, of. It felt like they were trying to like make a Joker out of her, insofar as like this, mm. this new one feels so much more like a superhero movie versus a, more of a sci-fi horror in the original, and it felt like they were trying to create some anti-hero out of her. Yes, I can my see opinion. that. my opinion. I can yeah. see that. And so it was very unlikable. I didn't give a shit about her no. dilemmas or anything like... It just it felt very forced. I agree. And I don't know if that's the people who made it. Like, I don't know whose fault that is because some of the cinematography in the new one's cool. Yeah. Some of the effects are cool. I really like the casting of Zac Efron, but I think that he should have been, uh, I think he should have played Captain Hollister. And I think he should have been this like really egotistical, like self-absorbed, Man, always looking at himself and kind of, you know, like primping and stuff. Because it would then like play into this idea of, you know, they have everything, but they want, they just, 
They want more. They want more. They want to be gods. Because it's... I don't think it works in... Uh, I guess it works oh, in Marvel that's movies. Right. And then Gloria Rubin is Hollister in the new one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just she's feel like fine. The, the, the terror of the government agency isn't as interesting in the new one either. It just feels no. like, all right, this is like a cartoonish... Yeah, well, because like the, the way that they, the, the way in the in the in the remake that they're able to like subdue their powers for you know the brief time that they have them after mm-hmm. they capture them is like in the new one, um, they have these contacts that I guess protect, oh yeah the fucking contact presents them from getting to their mind or whatever. Yeah. Whereas in the in the original, they just gave them some drugs. Yeah. And it's just it's it's I think it's cleaner. I think it makes more sense because the 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 contacts. You know, I mean, then we we're getting into like talking about. The logic of movies or whatever, but it's just no. It's, you say it. I know what you're gonna say, and well, it pissed my ass off. It's just like it's a weird leap. It's just like oh, let's have this really crazy, like updated eye. The way they introduce where... the contacts, yeah. is in the in the midst of a shootout. <laughs> and oh these, right, these armed agents are leaping out of SUVs with yeah. like assault rifles in their arms, and as they're in mid stride, they're like. Oh, I better put on my contacts. contacts. Oh yeah, and with one it. finger, just <laughs> boink right yeah. into the eye, and I'm like. Motherfucker, I've never been able to put in a contact that fast. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, this, well, it's you're this not leap a of logic seal, that is just, it's too far. It really is. But it, no, it's this leap of logic. That it's just, it's too much. You know, like, I'm, yes. I'm willing also, to go. Also, it's fucking lame. Yes. Contact yes. lenses. More than anything. Give me a break, lame. man. At least make some fucking goggles or yes, something. Totally. It's yes. just, it's so goofy. So both movies are not performing. Both, <laughs> both 80- movies are not performing. <laughs> 84 currently. did not perform well. 22 is not performing well. No. What were the budgets for both? Well, for the... I don't know the new one, but I know for the old one, it cost $15 million. It uh, just barely made 17 So it, it it didn't like technically lose money. However... The new one is 12 I believe. Okay, it's 12 Well, it yeah. debuted with about $3 million And um, it's a disaster. Worldwide? No, just just domestically, but okay. it's also premiering on Peacock as well. It's a disastrous opening, opening for sure. Peacock, um, it, but also like the, the reviews on this new one are so terrible. Nobody is liking this. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the first one, it's very interesting because, like we've been talking about, they had like there was prestige behind this, if you will, especially with the casting. You know, they're like multiple Oscar winners, yes. nominees. And, and it was shot very like class, you know, like right. lots of class to the like, shooting, whereas the 22 version was very like. Right. Uh, you it's know, like that churn and burn of, horror mill Right. Yes. Yeah, spray and pray. But, yeah. but the original, like, like, they weren't making it to be like an Oscar winner or anything, but I mean, like just a, a good solid hit. They were trying right? to meet the audience where they wanted movies to be. Exactly. Um, and it just, it didn't, it didn't work. And I mean, I, I, I don't remember what year this movie came out. Was it 84? Yes. 84. Right. We've been calling it 84. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't look to see what it opened up against, but, um, th- there was expectation behind the movie, I guess is what I'm getting at. Of course. Um, Cause Carrie was a hit. Carrie, right? Yeah. Stephen King was, was still. The Shining cool. was a hit. Right. Exactly. Stephen King was a name, a name brand as he still is. Um, so yeah. And, and it just, it really didn't do well. Um, despite their efforts. Whereas this one, I feel like the expectations have been pretty low from the get-go. I was curious just because the plot is, it's so ripe for like reinterpretation. Like it could be really cool or it could be done really cool and really right. well now, but they just didn't do it. And like it, no, nobody expects it to be good. It's opening after Doctor Strange 2, the weekend right after. Like, I don't know. It, it's like they dumped it almost. I think there's there there are enough uh, Stephen King ad- adapted movies that it has become its own. Like I there's agree. A, it there's a standalone audience for those movies. I agree. 
people like us. I think the new one is just dull. What's your no, favorite uh, Stephen King adaptation? One, two, three, go. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Wow. Okay, Sean, what's your favorite Stephen King adaptation? Five, four, three, two, Shining. one. Shining. The Shining. I, okay. I, I, I'm I'm very hopeful for uh, the Running Man uh, remake. Oh, that yes. oh yeah, I Edgar Wright. Writing Man. and directing, I believe, yeah. or at least co-writing. So that gives me uh, some hope because I, I recently read that book for the first time, or at least Wait, people what? read it to I me. I was going to say. Somebody read it to me. Um, okay. And I, I fucking loved it. And it's crazy how different the 80s movie is compared right. to the novel. And just... It was not technically... I mean, it was Stephen King, but it was under his alias, right? Yes. What's Bachman? his alias? Bachman? Richard yeah, Bachman? Richard Bachman. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. Where do you guys stand on Christine? The John Carpenter one that he did instead like of Firestarter. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it as much as you do. I think it's Agreed. my favorite Stephen King adaptation. Probably, like, I have to say The Shining, but it doesn't even feel fair to say The Shining because it's such a... It's a different beast, apparently. Yeah, it's it. it I, I do see where it is very Kubrick. Yeah. Uh, where the the Christine adaptation is definitely, that is like John Carpenter in his prime. Right. Uh, but it still feels so much more faithful to what Stephen King was trying to do. It stands out in Carpenter's career for that reason, and that's that's a compliment. Yes, I think it's one. Of, I think it's probably his best looking movie. Mm. I think it looks better than stuff like The Thing. Uh, the well, cinematography. Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> the cinematography, production design in it, it's it's all perfect. The casting's super fun. The yeah. 4K looks really nice. The effects. Yeah. He is probably one of the most. Uh, remade, remade filmmakers. Oh, he's well. He wants that paycheck. Definitely up there. Hell I mean, yeah. people remake his movies like crazy. Yeah, he loves would, it. But he's gone on record. He says, "Like, I, if you pay me, I don't care." Of course. Which I love. I think it's amazing. Yes, and <laughs> yeah. I love. I love. I would love to see a remake of Vampires because totally. it's a very cool concept. Yeah, yes. he just has a very fun outlook, <laughs> and I feel like that really shines through in his movies. And I'm glad we're talking about this instead of Firestarter 2022 because. <laughs> It's not. There's really not, not that fun. much to say about. Yeah, it. it's yeah. It's it's like a if you really like definitely start with the 1984 one because there's quite a bit of enjoyment to be had there, especially uh, having 40 years, uh, like looking back on it 40 years from you know from when it was made. There's, right. there's sort of like a there's a, a nostalgia there. to it. There's a forgiveness right. exactly yeah. that's really aids the viewing of it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2022 is not. Um, you could miss it, and you're probably not missing much yeah because um john i i, I do i just want to uh echo your sentiments from earlier it's like i come off strong sometimes when a movie is very middle of the road because to me that's the least interesting movie because sometimes when movies quote unquote like really bad it's like man there's some enjoyment there on some level right mm -hmm. um but this movie is just very whatever which i to me is like the biggest offense a movie can make. Yeah, and if I had, like I said before, it's like if I punishable had to bet, by death, it upsets me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the people who made it, it feels like they were definitely hamstrung. Right. You know, there was I, a better movie in there. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Sean, favorite uh, conspiracy theorist, uh, fever dream film. Five. Conspiracy theory. Ah, oh, that's not true. Fuck. I know. Five, four, three, two, one. Brazil. That's a great answer. I'll. I'm just gonna say the conversation. Oh. Great. Oh. Didn't expect that. That was good. Oh. Mine is definitely They Live. Mm. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. Certainly, certainly like I the, see what uh, you did there. Those are all good. The vibes there. I like I, I didn't want to bring this up. I thought I thought this was just like something that we would be better <laughs> to leave in the past, but just because it happened again, I want to ask like what do you guys think about the war on comedy? You know, <laughs> the first war? you get, first you get the, the Chris Rock slap, and then Dave got attacked by a knife gun. 
What, are, what like who's next? Jerry? Seinfeld? Jerry? Bye-bye comedy. Jordan, what was your evolution from from initial slap to now being away from it for 3 to 4 weeks? Um well, I love giving attention to it, that's for sure. He still wakes up screaming. Well, that's our show, friends. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of Very Famous Movie Podcast. We hope you think our show is fire. And if you don't, fuck you.